0: hello and welcome to episode 37 of the classic lenses podcast my name is simon forster and i'm hosting this podcast from stoke-on-trent in the uk joining me today is carl havens in gainesville florida hello carl good morning from sunny florida and we also have johnny sisson in chicago illinois hello Johnny. good morning from rainy chicago (laughs) it's it's nice and bright over here today so uh But we also uh, have with us making a return visit from episode 24 back in June. I'm delighted to welcome back uh, flaneur extraordinaire, Annel Mystery. Hello, Annel.
1: This is Dr. Fraser Crane. I'm listening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hi,
1: guys. Hello.
0: It's uh, it's great great to have you back. Um, Thank you. And uh, and you know what? It has been uh, a couple of months since you were last with us. So. Uh, I mean, when, when you were with us last time, we, we had to finish the podcast before the podcast really got going in some respects. Um, because we talked about loads and loads of things, all, almost everything we could talk about with street photography and uh, your, your last photo book project and, uh, and, and lots of things like that. But we hardly spoke about lenses at all, um, which is... Uh, uh, so you, you promised to come back then. And uh, so we, we're getting part two of... Yes. Uh, of the, exp- of the annual mystery experience and um, so before we uh, delve too far into that what have, what have you been up to in the meantime?
1: Uh, well I've, I've, I haven't had lots of time to take pictures because I've had a long contract working with uh, an ad agency in London so I've been just exhausted going in and out of London really early in the morning coming back really late but I have been taking a camera with me and um, in my tiny bits of spare time um, I've been putting together a new book that I'm going to put out at some point. but um, So I've been tinkering that with that all week and it's almost ready. So it's going to be a book of black and white film photography uh, composed of some of my favourite shots that I've taken over the past two or three years. So uh, that's uh, going to be out there soon, I hope. Excellent.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Well, well, we'll look forward to that. Um,
0: and I think we're going to go straight in now with... Uh, uh we're well this is the premiere or premiere how do you say that in america you say that premiere premiere and uh, yeah or uh, alternatively we're doing the debut and again you say that a bit odd over there as well don't you Debu or something like that. Or at least that's how they say it on the, on the Simpsons. At least, anyway. Um, and in, I think that's Apu. No, 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 no. no. Uh, actually, do, have, do Thank any, you. Come again. I, I, exactly. Well, the, the, well, this is it, because, uh, um Only yesterday, we were in a uh, there was a group chat we were, we were having, and um, and uh, I think Hamish was 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 in there, and uh, and then. Uh, for some reason, I, I, I walked away from it and my phone started to ring and it was uh, Facebook saying that uh, Carl was starting a video conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, what, what's this? And I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't answer it at that exact time because I was in the toilet at the time and I was thinking, no, that's just too much. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, anyway, so we uh, carried on ringing. So I answered it, and then I, I could just hear this conversation, and it sounded like he was shopping with
2: a poo, you know. And it
0: uh, <laughs> was exactly what happened.
2: The phone was in my pocket, and I don't know how to do that. I, don't, I mean, I don't it's know how to. Because we have those big, deep mom pocket, mom jeans pockets. Oh, get off, of, get off, get off of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's old already, but I don't know. I don't know how to initiate a <laughs> conference. But it happened. You're right. Yeah.
0: Well, that was the other part. I couldn't work out how to stop it. <laughs> it just kept on going. I think, I know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah, no, you, just, you, know. you just
2: turn off your phone. Right?
0: Your buying habits and, and things like that. Now, I won't share. That it, wasn't, it was
2: in the car, you're right. It was in the car, in the car, actually. But okay. Yeah.
0: Um, where were we? Uh, anyway, that was it. De- debuts and debuts and things like that. So we've got a new feature that uh, we're introducing today. Um, and uh, this is something I've been thinking about doing for a, a while. And then uh, Cheyenne. Um, mentioned such a such a thing um a couple well last week sometime in one of his comments and i was thinking yeah we really should do do this and uh, so what we've got we've come up with something called desert island lenses um this is not a new idea this has been done for a long time and in many many different uh, genres um but it's um well i'll explain the scenario and uh, and then we'll be handed over to annal to uh, uh give us some some answers um, so I'll I'll read out the scenario as we put it together, because it's quite important that, um, that you understand uh, what's been said. And by the way, Arnold has already seen this, by the way, so we're not just dropping this on him. OK, so your ship, the SS Tessar, has uh, capsized and sank. Um, and after that was after encountering a freak wave and now lies at the bottom of the sea with lots of Tessars. So it's not all bad news um you've you've been washed ashore on an amazing island with just about every kind of photographic opportunity that's available to you um the island is fully equipped uh, with a you've got a pc in there you've got a a fully powered uh, dark cave for uh, analog processing if you wish to um and then a, a trunk is washed ashore. And in the trunk, there are two camera bodies, um, which are of your choice. So they could be whatever you like. Um, and it also has three lenses in it as well. And those three lenses are three lenses that you own, Anil. Um, they're, yeah. So they're from your collection. Um, but you get to choose what those things are before you open the case. So, right. um, so perhaps I, if you tell us what your first one is. Okay. In, do you want me to talk about cameras first or lenses? Yeah, actually, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go, go for that.
1: Well, firstly, I'm going to stay totally in the F-mount world because I, I love Nikon cameras and I love F-mount. I just think the they're, they're history of all their lenses are just mind-blowingly beautiful and brilliant. And I love their cameras and I love the way they work. So firstly, I would have my Nikon D850. Uh, hopefully, if I'm allowed, I'd have an underwater kit with that. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing as I'm on an island, I, I might want to go in the water and see what's under there. Um, but just um, as a camera, it just it just—it's a complete camera. It's mind-blowingly beautiful and brilliant, and does everything I want it to. And it's great with all of Nikon's um, manual and um, AF lenses. And then, secondly, I'd have my Nikon FM3A, uh, the film, the film camera. Uh, the last film camera that Nikon ever made. It's a gorgeous piece of engineering. It works without a battery. Uh, so if my batteries die out at some point, uh, I won't have to worry. Uh, I have a shutter speed that will still go to 1 4,000th of a second. And then in terms of my lenses, uh, the well, three I've I was, chosen... I was going to go let on. me stop you there for a moment because
0: yeah. you've you've int- introduced a problem already. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Um, only for Am yourself. I kicked off the island? No, Am I in no, the sea no. now? No, no, you've... you've... Oh,
1: God, There's sharks. Help me. <laughs> Oh God! My leg. <laughs> well, the, the the issue that
0: you've got there is uh, you've got a, a, a Nikon DSLR, so that's going to make it very, very hard um, to to adapt lenses to. Um, because yeah, there are but, but just so many that you can't use. But the good news is yeah. there's the, this island does have magic properties, and oh. uh, there is a, a a collection of adapters there, and there just so happens to be adapters that will actually adapt just about any lens onto your camera. So uh, so that's the good news. So, uh, so oh. yeah. You, Thank you, God for that. Ex- exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in terms of my lenses, well, luckily I won't need an adapter because they're all Nikon lenses. Yes. <laughs> uh, the first one is the 50 mil 1.2 Nikkor AIS, uh, which is just uh, a beautiful thing which will uh, last till the end of time. It's a wonderful chunk of metal and glass and it just takes gorgeous gorgeous pictures and it's hard for me to take ever take that off my camera so that would be the first one well let's 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 talk about them as 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 we,
0: as yeah. we come to them so uh, yeah so 50 mil do you say 1.4 1.2 uh, 1.2 oh,
1: okay. the fifty one point two ais yeah, yeah. Okay. um using that either on my d850 or my fm3a um the shots i get are just beautiful I, I i love the way it renders colors and the best way i can describe the, the look i get off it is cinematic uh, just the i hate that b word bokeh but the, i'll call it the outer focus bits just look lovely um and it's 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 sharp where it needs to be and even at 1.2 and for me i'm, I'm not obsessed with sharpness i think at 1.2 i don't want sharpness i want uh, a bit of softness um it just looks absolutely gorgeous and fantastic and i just honestly love the for me film photography more than digital is about the tactile nature of the lenses and this thing just feels gorgeous you you know that this is something that will last forever i could crack coconuts open with it i could probably kill a shark with it on my island and it would survive so i had no problems there uh, this thing would would outlive me so when my when the next person arrives on the island and my you know cold dead bones are just bleaching in the sun they could pick that lens up and happily use it on another camera
2: so that so that lens, I, I used to own that one. That that's one of the infamous lenses that, during the um, preparation of uh, putting things to be in a safe place during a hurricane, I dropped onto the garage floor and bent the focus ring and ruined the lens, and then had to sell it for parts for two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh God, I'm sorry. And, uh, and <laughs> but um, I, I recall when I bought it, I'm um, talking to someone who who had experience with the lens, and. Um, We were talking about that lens versus the 55 millimeter, and he had both and um, had done comparisons and thought the 55 was just a little bit better. But um, what it came down to was in shopping, um, and he told me, If you're going to probably buy from Japan, because that's the only place you'll find these, and at that time he said, um, Make sure it says mint. Um, now there's mint, mint. Plus, plus, now there's now there's mint <laughs> mint plus plus and mint plus 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 and top mint. There what those didn't exist back then. But anyway, the, so the, the lens was beautiful. But I was I was wondered about the fifty five. Well,
1: yeah, that's something I'm going to talk about later as well because I'm holding that in my hand as we speak, and ah. that is also a bloody gorgeous lens. And uh, ah. it looks like there's only like one piece of glass, tiny piece of glass inside it. But uh, it's a staggering, staggering lens. But the the, the fact that this one, the 50 goes to 1.2, um, sort of nailed it for me.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, there's a 55 1.2. Yeah. Ah, I'm talking about the 2.8. But there's a 55
1: 1.2. Holy crap. Right. I'm on eBay right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's very expensive.
0: Okay.
2: It isn't as expensive as the 58, but it's expensive.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I just so, say it is—it is quite traditional for somebody to buy something on an episode. So, I mean, there's no reason why it can't be you, Anna. Well,
1: I just, I'll start looking.
2: Yeah, I just—I just—I just bought a lens, so that's okay. Okay. <laughs> I just bought a Zenitar 51.7. Wow. I don't even know
1: what that is.
2: <laughs> it's an Ultron design Soviet uh, lens.
1: Okay right so i'll go on to my second lens and this might not be a surprise to anybody it's the nicole 105 2.5 so i've been looking at this for ages and you guys were talking about it a lot um over the past few months and um i found a good deal on it um through west yorkshire cameras and i thought you know what i I need one of these lenses so i bought it now the thing is i already have a 135 2.8 which is a gorgeous lens but it's that little bit too long but the 105 2.5 is just incredible. I mean, it's it's regal. That's the best way I can describe that lens. When I I've I've loved the fact that it's got you can shoot quite closely with it uh, for a 105 lens, um, and I've been going out and doing even doing street photography with it. Uh, but the just the look you get off stuff and the fact that there's you know not really any distortion everything looks flat and lovely but the again there's something about this old nikon glass the way it renders colors i've i've got like a, an 85 1.8 an af lens a new one and that's lovely but there's something about it it just feels too flat whereas these nikon lenses they just seem to capture depth um in a some magical way and I love this lens, and um, it's interesting. I One of the first photos of, I, I took was of my wife, and I uh, stuck it online. And um, since, sorry, actually, I'm going to go off on one here because this is this is important. So uh, anyway, you guys know what happened here. But anyway, someone criticised this photo. it was a close-up shot of my wife. It was like probably the second shot I took with the lens on my D850, and it was just uh, a lovely shot. I love the way it just rendered. I love the way the look of the lens, but. Um, some guy said um, such a lens should not, such a sharp lens should not be used uh, to capture a female portrait, or something like that. And um, it really annoyed me. F- and for the fact that, uh, quite simply, my thinking is: okay, you may have l- conventions in photography uh, for shooting certain things in certain ways, but but to be really clear, there are no rules in photography. Uh, and those two things are very different. Yes, you might use a certain length, type of lens for a portrait um or a certain you know f stop but that doesn't mean that's the only way you should shoot things that way and um as a sort of artist and as someone who just likes making images that sort of really annoyed me so i think just generally we we've, we've got to always remember that yes we can talk about things technically but let let's not forget that the the creative aspect of of shooting stuff is down to the individual and how people use things in fact some of the best portraits have been shot on really really wide lenses um so let's always remember uh as i as i get off my pedestal here uh that <laughs> there are conventions i get that but there aren't rules because photography is art and art should not ever have rules I, so anyway moving on
0: yeah. well no no <laughs> let's let's uh, <clears throat> i think that's worth, worth staying there for a while yeah um i mean i i've i, I remember um, the, the 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 shot in particular and um and it is a a sharp shot and you could argue in, in some respects it was not a flattering shot but that was not really the point of the shot you know it was there was an honesty in that shot yeah. Those are, and it showed a, an element of vulnerability um which you just don't see that very often with 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 female portraits and i thought it was absolutely beautiful because of the way that you did it and because <laughs> that it wasn't uh, uh, airbrushed to an uh, instrument. Well, this, this is my
1: point i i hate uh, for me a portrait is honest portraits are about honesty. Uh, basically uh, when i shoot portraits of people i like to shoot in natural light for a start I don't go anywhere near even though I have the, the you know portrait pro and that sort of you know retouching software which can be a laugh to use in its own sort of comical way but I hate super polished portraits that say women have to look this way men have to look this way everything should be perfect there's no blemishes for me it's the blemishes the wrinkles the freckles the marks the hairs everything on a human person's body and face and in their eyes and every imperfection that makes them an individual and interesting as a human being. You know, yes, I love, I love a glossy shot, uh, but uh, I think this world of sort of, I think, I think people get too carried away sometimes with what a portrait should be. You know, a portrait is not about perfection. For me, a portrait is about honesty and reality. Uh, and in fact, when, when I shoot portraits of people, I say to them, look, you're not going to get a sort of glossy cheesy shot that you're going to desperately want to put on Instagram from me. What you're going to get is the way I see you. And that, that may involve your wrinkles because I think they're an important part of you. Um, because the other challenge is also people cannot see themselves objectively. You know, I hate having my picture taken. Uh, most people do. And then when people see them, what they think is their bad side, it sort of sticks with them. It's like hearing your own voice as a recording, um, but I think we get too caught up on perfection uh, and all these tools out there for trying to make things look slick and perfect. I, I kind of feel that's wrong. And for me, especially with film photography as well, what I love about film is the fact that there's this random element and the, the dirt and grit and the imperfection and the slight scratch on the lens or you know the slight bit of light leak or whatever, that, that makes the photo interesting. Uh, and in fact, weirdly, when I shoot digitally, um, I've started to, re- I've realized that wh- I don't want to give my shots a filmic look, but what I do generally do is add grain and add a bit of texture simply because sometimes digital shots are too clean and they don't feel like the real world. Um, so I end up using um, tools that will add, insert grain and change the color to to bring it to the way that I feel is right. So, you know, that's just me getting off my pedestal now, but um, I don't know what you guys think.
0: Well, I'm 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 totally on board with that, and it's 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 ultimately this 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 thing about you know the the, the people who are listening to this podcast are, are, are using and buying lenses that are not perfection, um, because if you want perfection, you don't really go looking for mm-hmm. for the kind of lenses that that, that we uh, espouse. But uh, but in the, in the same way, um, they talk about the perfect beauty that is is imperfect. Um, yeah. So I, I think that uh, certainly there are some images that can be taken with uh, older lenses that will actually will always produce, a, in, in my eyes, a, a a better and more pleasing and more organic result, whether that be on, on digital or uh, on, on film. I think that's actually one of the reasons why I particularly like to use old lenses on digital is because it roughs them up a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, the best way i describe that look is that it always feels a bit little bit romantic. You know, you look at these old sort of Hollywood star photographs they're never perfectly in focus they're always just slightly soft and you know it might be a bit of vaseline on the lens depending upon who's in front of it but they're they're beautiful because they're just slightly soft and they're just off perfection and and i think this obsession sometimes with sharpness you know uh can can sort of defeat the object if you if you see what i mean i, I do interesting enough uh pair edmund who's been
0: on the show a couple of times and one of the administrators in the photography with classic lenses um he sometimes takes shots with and deliberately calls it uh hollywood focus he deliberately uh, de- slightly defocuses uh, yeah. some of his shots yeah so I, I
1: can see why yeah it works
2: yeah. but i i mean i get that and um recently i've been going out and um on three occasions in the last two weeks, I've had an idea in my mind when heading out, what a picture was going to, what an image was going to look like, <laughs> and and took a particular lens and camera. And so one morning it was, um, uh, there was a place I wanted to go to early in the morning where I thought I could get a really interesting photo with a lot of veiling flare on the image. And I took a Jupiter 3 and um, got there, found what I wanted to have as the foreground object, and I thought it turned out great. And other people may think, "Ah, that picture's not so great. And and then I had an idea one day that I want to walk around and I want to take photos into windows of restaurants early in the morning, of tables set with their white linen tablecloths and things like that. And I only got one that turned out, I thought was really good. And I don't know. It didn't get a lot of likes, but I really liked the photo. So you're right. It's, I don't care if I if it turns out the way that I intended. I'm, I'm happy.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the point. I mean, we we get especially now that, you know, essentially us guys, we all engage on social media. I, I've got to know people of the film photography world through social media. And we, you know, share photos and get opinions on social media. And we sort of we, we shouldn't define what we shoot by how many likes we get or how much what people other people think. Yes, people are obviously entitled to their opinion, and that's fine. But ultimately, photography should be a really, really personal thing. It's about you and what you want. Share it if you want. If people don't like it, that's fine. But I think a lot of people get caught up in this. And I do think it's a trap. You know, I should have this lens. I should have this camera. I should be using this software uh, to post-produce my image to make what I feel is the perfect picture. And you see it on Instagram all the time. And you see it on TV now. Uh, the media is just awash with this idea of what the perfect look is and it's it's i find that deeply annoying
3: yeah yeah i i just (laughs) to go back to your the starting point i was absolutely horrified when i saw that comment because the first in the terms of the portrait you're mentioning because when i saw that portrait i got the impression that it was it was absolute truth that it was it was absolutely a pure representation Taken by even if I hadn't seen the caption, I would have thought it was taken by someone who is completely comfortable with the person taking the picture. Yeah, and it was, it was nothing but pure truth in that image, and I, I it was just astounding to me that some idiot, hello, if you're out there, <laughs> made that comment because it was it was it, it, it was just so far beyond any sort of reasonable expectation of what a portrait, a real portrait should look like. So anyway, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything you've just said, absolutely. It, it, was, it was strange because I wasn't even
1: offended by the comment. I, no, I, right, I was actually right. offended it, more by the fact that someone thinks that way about photography. Exactly, that makes sense. Yeah. I was offended. It was an offense to photography.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. It was an offense to the truth. Yeah. I mean, it was, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So I, yeah. it, it, yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I use the analogy
1: that, you know, the, the best way I can sort of think of it is when I'm drawing. I love to draw and sketch people. And for me, a a, a lens gives you a representation of reality and different lenses do it in different ways. So it's the equivalent of me drawing someone with, say, a 2B pencil or an HB or a 4H pencil or a piece of charcoal or, you know, uh, my finger dipped in a bit of, you know, uh, ink. And so different lenses have those things. But the, the, the point is... I'm in control of that. I choose whether to dip my finger in ink, whether to use that charcoal. The point is, it's still the thing I'm drawing. But mm-hmm. and, and that's the joy of it. For me, That the joy of photography is the fact that there are no rules. You can do what you like. You can mix it up and you can play. And also, that's how you learn as well. And I think a lot of people especially in this world, you know, you join these groups and you see people with amazing cameras and lenses and incredible work and you you think, shit, I should be on that level and I should be doing that and you sort of follow these people and you think, you know, I should be shooting like them. No, you should shoot the way you want to shoot and the way you want to see the world. I think that's the most important thing because otherwise your work will never be your own. I think mm-hmm. that's
0: a that's a, a really, really good point and I, I feel I'm in, I'm probably in that uh, um uh, almost, a, almost a rut. Um, as in, I, I, I tend to judge my photography by other people's standards rather than my own. Every now and again, I'll take a picture and I, I really like it, just because I like it, and to hell with everybody else if they do or not. But generally speaking, I, I, I do try and aim for a, a certain standard if you like of, of shot and uh, and i've been told uh, quite recently I, I should just let go and just just post stuff just for the sake of it rather than uh,
1: uh, yeah trying to do things just, like that just enjoy it i mean what i've i've really i've um so over the past couple of weeks i've been working on this book and i've gone through literally thousands of photographs of street photography and bits and bobs i've been shooting over the past two or three years black and white shots all shot on film with different cameras and different lenses and through my personal editing process it was difficult because i was thinking how am i selecting these shots are they shots based upon are they sharp and technically correct do they have show a nice range of you know light to shade uh, how am i choosing those these shots and i realized that actually the way i should go about it is co- to quite simply shoot choose the shots that mean something to me that i feel are important in, interesting engaging images and work with them and looking back on all these pictures so i've been you know looking at this uh, document i've been putting together to get ready for print again and again and again and you get super analytical about yourself i've realized you know what i don't give a crap about if something's slightly out of focus and if anything half of the images because they're slightly blurred in some way that's that's what makes them interesting you know that the idea of a perfect image there's nothing worse um you know it's like find the image of a perfect model you know a perfect beautiful perfect model there's nothing interesting about perfection um and you know for me an image the the interesting bit is the the it's the, the sum of the parts and it's not about you know oh here's a tree okay is the tree in focus i don't give a crap if it's in focus i give more of a crap about the bits that might be out of focus or the the graininess or that that the, it's the, the the sum of the parts for me and I think we get too caught up on the technicality sometimes.
2: It's interesting how um, people develop styles. I don't think I have one because they shoot so many different cameras and lenses and kinds of things. So I don't think I have that yet. But Johnny and Simon, both of you, if you posted a photo on our Facebook group and you didn't have your name, I think that I could tell it was one of the, well, either one of you because you have a distinct style. The photos are always good. The photos are always excellent, but but a, a particular a lot of thought going into the photo and what you're trying to convey with the photo, and then the way you you go about presenting it. I'm almost I'm almost
0: amazed by that because I think I just don't understand like at all. So uh,
2: I know, but I can. I, uh, well, like when I see a photo and I, before I even look at the name, I can tell that you it's your photo.
3: Yeah, I can. I, you know what? I would agree about that with Simon's photos i mean i yours too carl but that's usually because there's a bench in them but
2: (laughs) wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute oh give me a break a bench when's the last time there's been a bench? oh oh uh, uh, a half frame shot with my pes i I did shoot a photo it could Uh, be the back uh, of somebody's head of course that's the the other way to tell (laughs) what's the other thing
0: (laughs) the back i've been very cruel i'm saying the back of somebody's head but uh... i I don't think so (laughs) (laughs) So shall I go on to my third lens? Well, I was going to say before before you do <laughs> yeah. that, um, okay.
1: you,
0: you didn't you didn't actually mention this. Is, there's a, a a couple of versions of, of that lens, ah. and it's ah. it's interesting that you actually haven't got the good one.
1: I have the AIS <laughs> exactly, the and good, it's absolutely fine for me. <laughs> no, the, and the,
0: the the good ones the pre is the is the original uh, pre AI. In fact, one of the earlier pre AIs, which is a sonar, of course, which is ah, I see. It, it, if, it's, if it's sonar, it has to be better. That's
1: just the law, isn't it? Ooh, well, I think my my version is a uh, uh, planar. Is that correct? Yes, it's, it's yes. That, it's that, and it's I, that I kind love of that look. Yeah. I I actually. 'Cause one of my other favorite lenses I'll come and talk about later is the Zeiss one point four. Um and that's a plain art and I love that look. Yeah. There's something about it that I just think is gorgeous.
2: It's it's interesting about that one oh five and and I agree. It's one of my favorite lenses. And um the administrators seem to um periodically get on this craze where someone buys a particular lens and then another one gets it and another one and that that's one of the recent ones where I think James was the first one to buy that early sonar version no no it wasn't even james it, it was like, james james, it. It was, uh, james and hamish was sort of racing It was, the it was, it was, ha- it was Hamish them. on the yeah. podcast yeah. So, which led and james had one and then but hamish talking about it led me to buy one and then ray bought one and so the four of us have them but i shot a shot yesterday with it and the 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 the, the, the 3d i call it 3d pop the separation was great and i but i have the 135 version of the that say, same era of lens. Is that the 2.5? It's a 2.8. 2.8, sorry, yes, I have that too, yeah. And so... Um, I thought it was a 3.5, Carl. Well, you know 3.5. what, I'll, I'll have to look, Simon, you might be right about that. But in any case, it could be a 3.5. And, and that that's probably the reason why I don't like it so well. It, it, it doesn't produce images that, that really do anything for me. And it's probably, it's probably because it just can't achieve... With 135, 3.5, the kind of separation that I want to have in the images. Yeah, that could be.
0: Okay. So, okay. So we've established that Anil's got the wrong uh, <laughs> 105, 2.5. Um,
1: so um, moving I'm on. on, on. EBay right now as we speak. <laughs> so onto my last lens, and this is a uh, might be a bit of a shocker to you guys, but it's a, a Nikon 28 millimeter 2.8 series E. Now. This yeah, was, a shock. this for me has sentimental value as well, because it was the, the first lens that I, when, when I bought this, my uh, FM3A, which is actually was a Christmas present for my wife in 2006, And uh, I walked into a camera shop really drunk. They were trying to sell me a DSLR. I said, no, I want a film camera because uh, my wife, when she was at art college, she had an OM1, an Olympus OM1, and that died. So I thought I'm going to buy her a lovely Christmas uh, present and buy this camera. Um, So I bought this FM3A, and I bought a 28mm Series E lens with it. And um, I love it. There's something about this lens it just for me is a it sort of reminds me of my student photography days, but it just gives me this lovely, flat, simple look and it's just fun to use. And And for me, I, I think that's another point as well. I think it doesn't matter what you shoot with. We all know that at the end of the day, it's kind of down to your eye and the fact that you, you are you enjoying it. And this is a lens I really enjoy using. Um, I'm not really a 28mm guy uh, a lot, but when I when I go out and want to shoot wide or shoot a bit of you know wider street stuff, I take this lens, and I just don't care what I shoot. I just love the way it's a bit grainy. It's just a bit sort of crappy and flat, and I, I just, there's something sort of timeless about the shots I get with it. Um, so um, yeah, sorry, no posh lens at the end there. This is a, a Nikon 28mm Series E, and for. Um, this lovely, especially shooting black and white it's just a fantastic lens and, and my other point here is also lenses can be cheap and great it doesn't really matter what you shoot with as long as you're enjoying it because if you enjoy it you'll get something good out of it Well,
0: first point, uh, you're you're not allowed to say the lens doesn't matter on the Classic Lenses podcast.
1: (laughs) 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 The Irrelevant (laughs) (laughs) Lenses (laughs) podcast. Well, it is a classic lens. Yeah, it it, it Um, is. it is Yeah, and Um. um, again, Nikon Series E, Nikon just made beautiful lenses. and And, you know, the glass was generally just as good as other lenses. It was just the package it came in. It's a tiny bit plasticky, but it's just a solid solid lens it'll last forever and that's what i love about all this nikon glass it's just um it's just beautiful i i have become very much a nikon fanboy more and more over the years i just love the system and i love their lenses i i love their brand i love their logo i love everything about them
0: i've i've i don't i've I've got to say I don't know a great deal about the this the Series E lenses uh, very very little but they're certainly, they certainly they they're not the poster child of classic lenses they they sort of sit no. sit in the corner and uh, yeah. no yeah. really shouts about them and and, and things like that which...
1: Yeah they were they were the budget end so the, the Nikkor glass was the the good stuff basically and Series E was the stuff that was just cheaper so all the pros would go for Nikkor and then all the um you know everyday um, you know, lens buyers would just buy a series E lens because they were decent enough, good enough, and they were just uh, a lot cheaper than the Nikkor lenses. Uh, but I, I just, I just love this thing. I, I don't know what to say. I, I do wonder. I think you okay.
2: I was just going to say, uh, um, I had a series E one hundred, and um, I thought it was okay. Um, it, it took fine photos, but I didn't keep it very long. And now I have that one hundred five two point five. And I would never give it away or sell it. Yeah. And so, um, and I, and I, well, there's, it's the 3D pop. It's the focus, it's the character of the thing, the feel of it. The, it's a nice, solid, heavy lens. Of course, it's an old lens, <laughs> but um, those, the, you know, those are uh, comparable lenses. There isn't a 105 series E
0: yeah i i i do wonder um certainly not in the case of the the hundred mil one that you've just mentioned but uh, uh with the twenty eight i and possibly a few others and uh, um hopefully there 's somebody that 's listening to the podcast that has got a proper answer on this but i i wonder if some of the series e lenses are rehashed versions of previous versions of nickels such as maybe you know, the the twenty eight millimeter for instance it 's certainly not the same as the a i s because that 's the uh um the close focus the crc i've forgotten what um, crc stands for but uh, it's got a floating element in there um so the i'm pretty sure the series e won't have that but the the ai didn't have the floating elements and i just wonder if it's effectively a rehashed ai uh, but nickel just went to the next level with the uh, with the ais
1: yeah, I, I, what, I, what I love about Nik, Nikon generally is they, especially in their prime lenses, you know, even the cheap lenses are pretty decent generally across the board. There's no real stinkers. Otherwise, you guys, well, you guys may, may disagree with me, but you kind of, I kind of know. And that's what I love about Nikon. If I go out and just buy a lens, a prime lens, especially, it will usually be pretty decent and do what I want it to do. Mm. Yeah. So there's my desert island cameras for you guys. And so, you know, this is this is
2: an interesting <clears throat> question, this desert island thing, because um, Anil doesn't shoot on desert islands. And um, I wouldn't really be excited about taking photographs on a desert island. Uh, uh, no, and, Carl,
0: you, were, you weren't listening to the introduction, were you?
2: No, no, but I'm just thinking, if you if you had said to him, um, put yourself into a place that's your favorite kind of setting to that's, take a photo yeah, what that's, three lenses that's, yeah. No, I know, I'm just saying it would be very different lenses.
0: Yeah, but this I was saying right at the start, the, this, this desert island has every possible photographic genre available. So, yes, there are going to be people there, although they're probably more like on Westworld and they're, they're, they're robots, really. So you you, you you can't really talk to anybody. But, this you,
1: island gets more and more interesting.
0: Exactly, yeah. There is street photography there. There is landscape. There's underwater. Yes, you can have a housing. Um, you know, there's every 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 kind of genre is available. There's just no real people there. Um, so
2: that's, oh, I didn't hear that part.
3: Um, okay. Thing, wow. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more like 3-4. a desert
2: continent, I think. Yeah. No, fl- no, fl- our photography. Yeah.
0: No, you can, you can, but they're they're not they're not real people. That's that's the only thing. You um, have
2: to converse with the people. So. Just ba-
0: basketballs with little faces <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. Right. Well, yeah. there, there is one more question uh, one final yeah. question on that and that is uh, you've talked about the three lenses you would take from your collection um, yeah. and now there's uh, you can tell us about a lens that you know it might be in your collection but a fourth yeah. lens which is pretty much any lens that you want so it would have to be something that would
1: fit on my nikon right
0: i guess it'd have to yeah or so okay. we, we might we might make an exception for this but you might only have it for a day. <laughs>
2: why, don't, why don't you let him have a film camera and a Nikon? For no, he's a got day. that. He's,
0: he's, he's already well. He's got he's got a, a Nikon film and a Nikon. I mean, he's he's, oh, con- he's, he's okay. condemned himself to Nikon's. So you know. uh, I'm thanks. condemned.
1: Yeah. Well, I I would actually probably go for an M42 lens, and because uh, I can adapt them to my Nikon, I'm pretty sure I have an adapter or two in my drawer of adapters, um, and I would go for the Hang on, let me just check. I've got it in front of me here. I'm not sure if this is a an M39 or an M42. Just bear with me. It's an M42. Yes, I would go for, and you'll all laugh at me, the Industar 52, which is a 3.5 50mm lens, and it's a tiny little thing. Yep. Uh, and yes, I have mounted it on my D750, so I know it works. And it's just, I find that a really, really interesting little lens. And I love lenses like this. I find them generally more interesting than the sort of big, expensive, you know, showboat lenses that we all love. Don't get me wrong, I, I love a, a superstar lens, but it's a cheap lens. I think you can get them for about £30 uh, from Russia. And it's an M42 thing, it's got tiny, tiny bits of glass in it. I th- think it's a Tessar. i don't i'm not sure you guys, it, it, you guys it, can it, probably just tell me
0: for, for the record I'm, I'm handing over to johnny now as our Tessar on, correspondent uh, which,
1: which lenses it so it's the Industar 52 it's a 50mm oh, yeah. 3.5 yeah definitely a tesla and that is just a gorgeous lens for the point that it, it's super sharp in the middle and, but then everything else just dies around the edges. And yeah. when you get close to things or people or objects, I think, you know, if I'm shooting bits of the millionth piece of driftwood that drifts up on the beach, I think I could still get interesting shots out of it, but it, it's just a tiny little thing. And I love it's. I've had some, got some really, really good shots out of it. I've mounted it on my uh, Pentax ME um, um, Super and I've used it on my Nikon DSLRs and It just has, and I'm going to use the C word now, character, because everyone (laughs) wonders what that means. But for me, character means something just unique and distinct beyond sort of technically working correctly, if that makes sense. It just has little quirks to the way it renders an image that makes it interesting. And uh, for me, this is a lens that's full of character and, and it's still cheap and available out there. And yeah. I, if anyone anyone listening, I'd recommend you just take a punt and buy one because uh, you can mount it onto pretty much anything, as far as I know. Um, and it's it's just a really really fun lens. If you get close, even you know, I I normally hate taking photos of flowers, but when mm-hmm. I take photos of flowers with this, they look interesting.
2: Yeah, that, that's a fantastic lens, and um, it'll do some interesting things. Um, it'll make flare. That's very unique. Yeah. If, if, you, if you like flare, you can get curtains of rainbows. And if you have a helicoid adapter, uh, if so, I don't take photos of flowers as much anymore. Not much at all, actually. Your flower anymore. days are over.
1: Your floral days are gone. If,
2: yeah, I, I don't think I've, I've gotten so I have <laughs> gotten so that I like wider and wider images every time. I don't know why, but um, unless I'm at a concert or something. But um, with flowers, if someone said, uh, you have to give me the best flower photo you've ever taken, it's actually with that lens. Yeah, I'm not Be- surprised because of the, both the bo- bokeh, the color, the, the yeah. character of it, and the sharpness. Um, and it was done on a helicoid, and it's that little, it's that little black lens. Yep,
1: I love it. There's no. And, and I,
2: I paid twelve dollars U.S. for mine.
1: They are so cheap and out there. You know, I think they're worth anyone, everyone having really in their in their little lens arsenal because you, you can't go wrong. Yep.
3: Yeah, well, I got a beautiful. I got a. I think I mentioned it on the podcast last week. I got. I got gifted a beautiful, uh, late, very late version uh, of this lens from Vlad last week.
2: So it's just beautiful. And I haven't heard. Um, so I think a lot of members have this lens, and we hear about sample variation with Soviet lenses. I've not heard a lot of people talking about getting a bad one of those. And I don't. I don't know why that is. Well, we but, we yeah, often but, hear about this with you know, certain Helios yeah, lenses. Yeah, but,
0: but that's that's going to be because as 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 Anna's already said there, you know, it's, it's sharp in the center and then it, then it, then it just completely falls off. So it's, it's a case of, uh, it's, it's a very flawed, Lens and it's in its own right. So how you, <laughs> how you tell one flawed lens from another flawed lens is, is, is quite quite hard. Going. Yeah, I think it's the flaws that make it. Well, I've got now. Th- this is yeah. interesting, I said, because you know I, I usually fall asleep at the at, at, at Tessars. Um, hence why I, I earlier sunk every Tessar um, that, that ever been made on on, on the boats. Which uh, you, you've <laughs> now saved one. <laughs> so then <now> I'm going to multiply <laughs> and come back. Um, but um, I've I've used that lens as well and um, although I used it on a a Zenit uh, I think it might have been a Zenit C uh, that I used it on and uh, uh, so it was a a Zenit 39 mount and uh, and I got some great photos out of it as well so so I I I, I pretty much agree but it's it's just about the only Tessar I think that I've actually got anything well, one of the few Tessars I've got anything good to say about, um, largely because it's so imperfect. Um, because that's my biggest problem with Tessars in general is because I just find them really, really boring. But that one isn't, and it's because of those flaws.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think, as you said, Carl, when you do things like point it into the sun and just go a bit daft with it, you just get really, really interesting effects.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right, well,
0: that's... Well, uh, <laughs> that's a uh, that's that's our that's our first outing of uh desert island lenses so um that was uh that was pretty enjoyable i enjoyed that uh, do you guys enjoy
1: that yeah, yeah that's great it's that great so, well i'm i'm stuck there now so uh i'll, I'll just start <laughs> taking photos shall i send us postcards <laughs> yeah <laughs> shot with a tessa yeah,
0: yeah. All Right. okay well um let's let's Move things on uh, a little bit now. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that we've uh, we've been up to or things that we want to talk about. And I know, uh, Johnny, you posted a picture that's, uh, I'm not sure if it was today or yesterday, that uh, has garnered quite a, a bit of attention on photography with classic lenses. I
3: think it was technically in the middle of the night. Yeah. The middle of the night, which would have made it very early this morning. Um, yeah, I, I posted a picture of... Uh, well, I guess what is it? A bunch of um, mostly Carl's ice Jana Jana lenses. Um, uh, in a kind of a collection together, and a few other things. I there's a little bit of a story. I I met this week at the at Central Camera. I met uh, a gentleman named Austin who is um, a Leica. He he wrote on a little. I have a little card here. He wrote his name and his his contact info, and he he wrote Austin, comma Leica lover. Um, so Aust- Austin is a Leica collector from China, and um, he he made a big sweep through Central Camera the past couple days, like looking for Leica bits and pieces. And I I, I helped him find some some really interesting stuff. Um, and he he was just he was just kind of blown away that we had like all this stuff that had been collected for decades. Um, but anyway, we were we were kind of chit chatting about stuff, and he was asking about you know, some lenses we didn't have. And I said, well, no, we don't have that, but I've got it at home. <laughs> and so he, he said, oh, send me a picture, send me a picture. So I, I actually took that picture to uh, to email to Austin. Um, and I don't know, I mean, he might want to buy some. It was m- more for the conversation of it. But um so I figured, yeah, I'd, I'll just, I'll get them all out and, and take a picture together. So I have, I think all my biotars in that photo, which I think there's, uh, four or five or six in there five or six um well, actually, along just, with a few other things yeah I'm just Is kind of that right So you got one
0: two three four well it's sort of five but actually it's it's, it's almost six because for some reason you've got a spare uh name uh, on, on
3: one of yeah, them yeah yeah that was right that was and that was part of the conversation i had with him was that i have a um a biotar from you know part of the cold war trademark dispute stuff uh between the the zeises and the one that i have actually has two uh uh, serial numbers so it has two id rings one over the other um and and i have i have lenses where you know they were defacing um the red t or doing other things to kind of conceal them um I'm talking about the Carl Zeiss side to to sort of get around the copyright issues. So I guess at some point they figured, well, I'll just put a second ring, put a new ring over the old one <laughs> with different engravings. So <laughs> so it literally so literally I can just screw off one ID ring and there's another underneath, which is I mean it's really kind of an amazing, cool Cold War relic more than anything else. Um, and and that's kind of why I, I still have it. It's a great lens, but to me that's the most kind of the most interesting thing about it. So anyway, I, I I there's that and then there's um also in that photo is the I guess we call it well I started calling it the king um uh the, the king biotar, which uh the reason I started calling it that is it has um a the this little symbol on it rather than the red T it's essentially a, imagine a letter T but add another uh cross at the bottom such as the one at the top and another in the middle. So you basically have a vertical line and three horizontal lines, which is the kanji symbol for the word King. So I, I just started calling it a King by its heart and was really surprised that that's actually what they call it apparently in, in Asia as well. Um, and is highly collectible, uh, you know, in, in, I guess probably any market, but probably more so there. um, so we talked a bit about that and I have because I have a, a Biotar and a Tessar both with that mark. And you know, I've done a little bit of research about it. And they they, they only they didn't make those for very long at all. They appear in a, a very slim uh serial number range. And they're interesting lenses because they also um they stop down. Most of the lenses from that era tend to stop down at F 16 and these go to F twenty two. They have more aperture blades. So they're they're kind of this weird little Niche collectability thing that um, probably I've just ruined for everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I I've always kind of sought those out, and um, I think they're just they're just really beautiful. Um, so anyhow, I threw, I put all this stuff together into a photo, and you know, took a snap and sent it off to Austin. I'm like, well, I probably should just share this well, in the Facebook group too, just for fun, you know, so I could also
0: tell the story. Well, this begs a question uh, because you're famously not bothered about the Helios forty and Swirly Boker. Yet you've you've got a fine collection of those of, of, of that's, that lens is based off. Uh, so explain yourself, yeah. please.
3: Oh, I just like them. They're silver. <laughs> <laughs> can I? Can I be a collector for a minute here? Come on.
2: <laughs>
3: no, I mean I got I got them honestly. I, I got them uh, early on in my my classic lens (laughs) journey um, several, several years ago and, uh, and I've used them a bit. I just don't, I don't do well. I mean, I just don't do a lot of uh, SLR stuff at all anymore, but I, I did use them quite a bit and had actually had a couple of them, uh, overhauled, and you know they work great, and they're just they're beautiful lenses. I mean, there's a couple of them, the the, the king versions. I would I would definitely never sell, but you know probably get rid of the others. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just kind of kept coming across them, and they were still relatively cheap at that point. So I just picked them up, you know. Um, and I still see them every once in a while out there, but the the that one, especially with the the odd uh, you know the odd red. King mark is just is' still pretty unusual to come across
2: I thought you were going to tell us that it has beautiful color rendering at f8 uh, no actually
3: I'd be I'd be honest I think that the the Helios lenses have better color rendering than the Zeiss lenses um, the biotar specifically uh, the biotar the the Zeiss version is a, it's a very cold rendering I mean to the point where I think it they really optimized it for black and white and probably kind of like portrait people sort of shooting because it renders, um, skin tones, black and white, you know, I think really nicely. So I've always thought it was really optimized. The, the, the coating coatings are, it's so cold, almost greenish that I really believe it was intended, uh, specifically for black and, you know, optimized specifically black and white. Um, so the Helioses are actually, I would, I would say I've, and I've compared them, I, I mean, in the short, time i actually owned any helios is i i I did a little comparison and i thought the 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 zeiss was a much nicer black and white you know monochrome lens and the helios had definitely a better color
2: rendering so so johnny will you um follow up on something last week yes you said that um you now um are going to have a jupiter 12 lens and um but it's a context uh, key of mount, I mean, yeah. but you said you were going to, you were going to attach a um, hood onto the aperture ring. Yeah. Uh, is, is there a thread? I didn't even. I never yeah. noticed. Yeah. There's, there's
3: a, thread. a thread. What's yeah, the diameter? Hold on, grab one. Um, yeah, there's a there's a threaded ring in the front. So I mean, you basically just. Uh, I can't remember the size. It's very Okay, well I'll measure it. I just I just happen to have one in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's probably forty. It looks like forty three. No, it's thirty that forty three is too big. It's gotta be thirty-nine. Yeah, it's tiny. Yeah, it's uh hold on a second. It is. I am just gonna confirm. Ooh, this one is not 39. It feels like it's 40.5. There
2: you go. 40.5. 5. Okay. I might do that yeah, myself. So, yeah. And you can still so you see what little, the aperture is.
3: Yeah, you just get a little forty point five lens hood. And now you've got a nice big graspable uh, you know way to change the aperture of course you have to like point the camera at your face every time you want to, you still have to look and see
2: what it is yeah right oh
3: yeah 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 it's still part of the fun do, do, um, okay. just beware
0: though don't don't get a hood that's too big because you're going to cause vignetting because the, the lens is quite set
3: back yeah yeah yeah. get one of those those funky vented rangefinder looking hoods you know you could probably do with like a that. with with a, a what's it's um
0: a deglazed focus um filter And that'll,
3: that'll give you enough Uh, filtering. So 40, yeah, yeah, that's true. You could, sure. You could just take a a filter and put that on there and that would do the, Yeah. I mean, it's not a, it's not a lens that really needs a hood. It's got a very deep, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's kind of the built in. Right. So yeah. Even, even just an empty filter ring or if you're shooting, you know, like I would always have a yellow filter on it anyway. So, you know, just that little bit will make it easier to grasp. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's a good. It's so a good I know capability. that lens always
2: has annoyed you, but it has um yeah a very deep, rich color rendering that none of well, my other lenses have.
3: It's less annoying on Kiev mount because it won't start to unscrew every time I try to turn the stupid focus ring because it you know it'll be latched on. So yeah, that was my that was my thing because I like I like the messy. It's a it's got a really messy rendering, especially black and white, and I like that. Um, I just I hate how it handles. So at least on M thirty nine. So yeah, okay, I'm gonna pick one of those up for, um, you know, for the for the Kiev. Yep. Um, the other the
0: other thing is that there's some other lenses which I think we've just got to at least touch upon. Um, there's a Fletigon thirty seven two point eight. Um, uh, but in particular, there's two other lenses. Or at least there's three. There's you've got two uh, Prima plans in there. Um, mm-hmm and uh, you've got the one that uh, always draws my attention when I see a photograph of it, is uh, you've got a <laughs> convex front element uh, Ultron one point eight. Perhaps you might want to tell us right. a little bit more about that Ultron.
3: Yeah, I actually only put one in there because only one of them would fit. I have two of them. But, um, yeah, that's the the uh, lens for the Zeiss X. So it's ICR-X. Yeah, Technically, it is called X Bandit Mount. Um, and... I have a couple of them that I got attached to cameras, which of course don't work because um, a camera is kind of a piece of junk. Um, but uh, the lenses are beautiful. So it, it, yes, it is famous for the convex front element. Con- so conve- um, con- Concave. Con- okay. Yes, con- con- concave, exactly, not convex. So imagine your eyeball, but, you know, curved the wrong way. Absolutely. Um, yep. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I have a couple of those and, um, it's sort of famous for it's being extremely sharp, basically from wide open. I mean, a lot, there's a lot of buzz about it that it's the sharpest, you know, 51.8 ever made and such stuff. And there, there may be some truth to that I don't think I have a sharper 50 mil, 50 eight lens that I've, you know, in any of this stuff that I have. So it is, it is pretty cool. Um, it's not, like I said, it comes out kind of on a useless camera, which for a lot of people, I don't won't care. will go on digital, but, um, I actually have a Bennett to EOS, uh, Zeiss BM to EOS adapter. So I, I have it, I have mine attached to a, uh, a rebel 2000, which weighs far less than the lens. <laughs> uh, and, and it also, you put that lens on, on the rebel 2000 and it literally, it, it increases the amount of metal by a hundred percent attached to the camera, which is basically all plastic. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of, kind of fun It actually works very well on those cameras as long as you, uh, the trick I found is that it will follow the mirror um, unless you put a little bit of electrician's tape over the contacts because the Canon is like WTF, no lens, you know? So, uh, so that, that works great. And then I can just shoot it as a, you know, aperture, basically stop down aperture lens on a EOS camera works, works really well. So I'm still looking for a proper uh, EOS film body that I can enjoyably use with that lens. And I, I have one on my list, but I'm not going to mention it because I don't want to compete with all you sh- bastards. who try to buy it. So, <laughs> so there, there you have it. Um uh, I, I mean, do does that does that give you enough meat there, Simon, about that lens? Because I know that you're a fan of that lens too, and I know that we've talked about it quite a bit. Yeah, over the, well, but over and, and
0: the years, we we nearly came to an arrangement over your spare lens at w- at one point, didn't we? But uh, yeah, you still have to fly me over to, to England, and I can deliver it to, was, for that you. That was free. It, yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah,
0: it was. It's just the, the cost of sending something like that to to, to the UK oh. is just is just mental. Yeah, it'd be so like, it US. would be like
3: 60, minimum $60 US to send it. Yeah. yeah. So, and yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yep.
0: Okay, um, well, uh, thanks for that. We, we've certainly had to talk about that because uh, you put a little uh, post up on uh, photography with classic lenses about yeah. this, and then there were some people are saying, "Oh, we've got to hear about this now." I'm going to listen to the, <laughs> the podcast because you've put that <laughs> photograph up. So uh, hopefully, uh, those 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 people now are satisfied uh, that we've given it enough airtime. <laughs> yes. yes, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Cole, um, you've you've got uh, something you want to say as well, haven't you? Do I? What is it? <laughs> I have no idea. But there was something you wanted <laughs> yeah. to talk about at some point uh, that we were chatting earlier, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, it's jeans. It's jeans. Maybe it was oh, my it was, jeans. Yeah, I don't pockets. know.
2: Well, no, I, yeah, it was my jean pockets. No, I mean, it's not a, <laughs> It's not been a week where I've had a lot of chances yeah. to go and take photos because in the morning I've needed to get in early to get a parking space, and in the afternoon it's been ninety-five degrees when I've come out of work, and so um, gee, I haven't shoot, I haven't shot a lot of pictures this week, except. Um, You know, the usual going down to the concert in the evening and and shooting with that 180 Olympus lens that I still really like. And uh, getting one good shot out of about 20 yesterday with the 105 2.5 Nikkor. I think that's about it. Well, I have a trip coming up to New Hampshire so I can escape this this infernal heat for a while. And um, I've got my usual travel kit for that my desert island kit but it's to to go to new hampshire and it's always the same thing (laughs) the canon ltm 35 2.8 on the fuji and the um either the leica or the 4sb with a with the serenar 51.4 that i can swap back and forth between the two and my 15 millimeter voigtlander super wide heliar and those are the three that i always take and um it's a nice little kit
0: well um another thing we can we can talk about excuse me is uh uh i put a post up i think it was yesterday that got quite a lot of attention and that was because i reposted something that um from a flicker friend of mine uh it goes by the name of matt's crazy lens adventures and uh and i i've met i think i've mentioned him before actually but he's, he's somebody that certainly if anybody's interested in adapting weird and wonderful lenses especially like fixed lens fixed lens camera lenses and things like that he's he's just mm. done so many and that take a look at his albums but the the, the post in particular and it's, it's going to be interesting because we've got Annal here who's, who's now uh, declared himself as a, a nikon fanboy oh yeah um, yeah <laughs> so uh, i i i don't know if you've actually seen have you seen the the the, the post art I, I should have mentioned I, it before before. I did
1: read it last night.
0: Okay, that's that's, that's good. Um, yeah, because the the significance was that um, Matt has yeah. uh, bought himself a, a Z seven or a Z seven, as uh, they would say in some places, um, and uh, and he's very very much a uh, a classic lens user, and and the fact is, you know, he knows how to adapt just about anything to anything, and he's 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 um, published his comments on uh, on using adapted lenses with his uh, Z7 um which you know after all the a huge amount of apathy uh, to some degree about the the, the the new nikon um he's given it a very very glowing report and especially in comparison uh, to but he also uses Sony he's got an A7 Mark II and an A7R R2. I thought he had an uh, a7 III as well but uh, perhaps I was mistaken on that um, but he really really likes that camera um, certainly compared to Sony uh, which is interesting to say to say the least um, what he hasn't done yet and this is the one that I've mentioned before I'm, I'm desperate to hear about is uh, how well uh, the the Nikon copes with LTM lenses and do you get smudged edges just like you do on the Sony so uh, the jury's still out on that one we don't know but he's certainly given uh, it's a, a a very good um, review but I'm just just wondering what you what your take is on that Anil
1: well I've got lots of views on this but my key thing is excuse me I obviously mirrorless cameras they're great because you can adapt all sorts of lenses on them, but I, I think they get too obsessed with miniaturization and the, the times I've used an a seven R, I, I felt ergonomically these Sony cameras are crap. I just don't think their design for holding in the hand is great. And one thing I picked up on that, the, um, on his comments were the Nikon is great to hold. And I think, especially with mirrorless, I, I, this this race to be small, I think is a bit dangerous because uh, when you're holding a camera the smaller it is the more it can shake when you hold it uh, and I actually personally like cameras with a little bit of heft so for me it's about finding that right point between something that feels good enough to hold that you can get a really good grip on it and and frankly with a little a little bit of weight to it just because if if a camera feels too fragile it's just going to shake around all over the place so the, these two things going on, there's this sort of battle saying, oh, cameras don't have to be big and heavy like DSLRs. Okay, that's fine. But then you have the limits of ergonomics and the human hand and what's, what's nice to hold and what, what shape should something be to hold. And I think Nikon has definitely nailed it above the Sony, definitely. Um, in terms of also just historically, the way I, when I've looked at um, Sony just user interfaces, I think they're crap. I think they're just really unfriendly, and don't get me wrong, they they try and put everything in there, but the, the user friendliness of their UIs is terrible, and I think Nikon nails that better and always has done better than Sony. Um, but in terms of, you know, I don't have a mirrorless that I use for adapting lenses. I use my big DSLR, my D850 or my D750. Um, and then I use loads of different film cameras. So I have, you know, I have an M like M mount camera. I have, uh, an M 39 camera and so on and so forth. But for me, the bigger thing is, okay. Yes. Be smaller, but be careful because just being smaller isn't enough in itself. And, um, this guy went on a lot about the weight and I I get that because if you've been a photographer, for many years and you're carrying loads of crap around with you it actually does catch up with you and i'm in my late 40s now and you know if if i'm carrying lots of stuff on me it starts to affect my back so I, I totally understand that and all the subtleties and that's what he was picking up on is these little tiny ergonomic differences that actually sort of make the difference and i think that's a big deal um and being a nikon fanboy and having not used this camera yet but I I think it looks great. Um, I I doubt they've done much wrong, but my my biggest bugbear, and um, it's something you guys talked about in your emergency podcast a few months ago, (laughs) was um, the lack of uh, a second um, memory card slot. Now, you know what? Realistically... Who gives a shit? You know, memory cards are re- really reliable uh nowadays. But the thing is if you're using it as a pro, it's just knowing you have that backup. Because when I use my DSLRs, I've got two memory card slots there and my second one's just an automatic backup. So I feel happy knowing I've I've got it there in the can. Um so that would be my bigger bugbear. But if I personally, if I was choosing between the Nikon and the Sony, I I would go with the Nikon.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it certainly was. A, it was an interesting read there because, I, you know, it was uh, an experienced Sony user um, giving giving those uh, opinions. Um, I mean, I'm as I've mentioned before, I'm I'm a Nikon user as well. Last camera that I bought was a D five hundred, and uh, and for me, that's actually. The best camera I've ever used. Um, the ergonomics are wonderful. It, it's uh, ultimately it's it's not dissimilar to the D850, just a little a little bit smaller. So, um, yeah, I can I can imagine what uh, what that Nikon's going to be like in the hand. And I think that's really important. Interesting enough, I I, I also completely agree with you about the size um, with this with the Sony's. Although I, I, I almost completely agree, I should say, um, because I really enjoy using the Sony with LTM lenses and small lenses. I think it's, it's fine. Um, but if you start to put, uh, well, SLR lenses, just by any SLR lens, it doesn't really matter because they're all, they're all quite weighty and shift the weight forward. Um, I tend to prefer to use the Sony with a battery grip, and that's making the thing enormous.
1: Um, In fact, yeah, I mean, you've touched on the other thing for me is, yeah, great, get miniature but then you, you the sacrifice is battery life as well. And that, that just annoys the hell out of me. If you're dropping a few grand on a camera that's, you know, there's a battery life of what, three, four hundred shots. I mean, you know, I'd rather have an extra few hundred grams um, well, weight on my camera and know I can get, you know, uh, over a thousand shots out of my camera without changing the battery. That's a big deal for me.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, there's a, there's a few things on that. Um, certainly the... If you're going to compare the uh, the Z6 to an A A7 Mark III, um, the A7 Mark III has got a far higher rated battery. Um, so th- it seems that Sony have, have sort of cracked that one yeah um although interesting enough you you read uh matt's comments and he's he's been getting a good number of shots out of, out of the nikon and that's rated very poorly uh on his on his battery consumption yet he's done quite well and i think that's largely the fact the fact that he's using it with old lenses you know he's not having to he's not having to push a, an autofocus motor around uh, yeah so it's obviously going to last longer and yeah, the A7 Mark II is is not renowned having a, a good battery. yet. Yeah, I've I've had six hundred, seven hundred shots. On their battery without too much of a problem. It's all it's 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 largely down to the, the the circumstances you're in. If it's cold, then your, your battery's going to go down quicker. Um, if you take a lot of shots in a relatively short period of time, you're going to get more you're going to get more shots for the battery life. Um, if you if you if it's switching on and switching off, then it's going to eat into your battery. So, the usage case is going to change is going to be different for everybody. But it's certainly a case of you know, it's going to do better for using, um, using, using old lenses.
2: Uh, so how are you with your seven artisans? 51.1. I haven't been using mine any anymore. Not for a while. Are you, are you off of yours for a while?
0: Um, yeah, but I'm, I've, yeah, I haven't been using it, but large, not because I don't want to use it as such. I still like that lens, uh, a, a lot. Um, but it's just, just not currently in favor. Um, which is largely because of I've started using um, the Hasselblad finally. Um, so that, that's, that's where my, my current interest is in, in, in shooting. And uh, I was out uh, this morning. I was up at quarter to five this morning um, wow. to go into the Peak District uh, to meet up uh, with a, a fellow uh, Hasselblad user uh, that I've met on uh, through, through Instagram. Um, and you can find, uh, find him on Instagram. His, his name's Mikkel and, uh, and you can find him under, uh, at Tekel Photo. That's T-E-K-E-L photo. Uh, that's his Instagram handle. And, uh, I had a great morning with him. Um, I got very few decent shots off. He probably got absolutely loads of great shots, um, which it was, that's not to say I didn't have a, a good experience because I absolutely did. But it, it's quite interesting when you, you go out, you know, you think you know about cameras and how to take photos. Well, I think if I'd gone out with just about any 35mm DSLR, because I, I just took I took two cameras with me. I took the Hasselblad and I also took a film uh, point and shoot with me. And and I think if I'd just gone out there with just uh, almost any SLR 35mm uh, camera, I I would have been comfortable and I probably would have, Taken, you know, a good number of shots, and I would have been, and it wouldn't really matter which camera I would have used, because they they're all pretty much of a muchness. Um, but when you actually go out there and you're doing something with a Hasselblad, and you you're under pressure as well, because you know, a sunrise, you're there thinking, well, it's pretty sedate. Well, actually, it's not sedate at all when you you're you're running around uh, trying to trying to find uh, the the right angle, and then you've you've got to put your tripod into a really odd position, and then that means that the the tripod head isn't. Uh, isn't vertical. And then when you're, when you're trying to adjust the, adjust the camera position with, with one of those cameras, the, the verticals go all over the place and you, it, it's just completely counterintuitive how you actually use the thing. Um, it's, it was quite stressful really. And yeah. uh, and I, I would have got some good shots if I, if I'd just gone there with my Sony and I could probably could have handheld them as well instead of using the tripod. You yeah, know, it was, uh, yeah, it could it could have happened. But so it was a, bit of a nightmare in some respects but the, fl- the flip side of that it was a great experience because at the end of the day you learn from where thing when when you've through adversity And uh, that was what I was experiencing, and uh, yeah, there was there was so much I I was able to pick up there. You know, so well, how do you change the shutter speeds and uh, get the right things? Get get the right meter reading where you're going to meter from, and and then you've got to change uh, change your film in the field, literally in a field uh, when you've only done it uh, twice before, and it's you know it is different on the on the Hasselblad to a normal camera, so. That was a that was a, a a good experience I had today. Even if I didn't actually get that many decent shots, but it was good to meet up
1: with
2: uh, Mikel.
1: Some cameras I, I, punish you, don't they? <laughs> I, asked,
2: I asked that question not to um, cast aspersions on the lens or anything. I just, I mean, I, I'm just re- reflecting on um, my own usage. And, and, and granted, when I get a new lens, then it's the hot thing, and so it's on my camera all the time. So when I got this lens, and I love the way this lens. Sits on the camera, and I love the way it feels. It's one of the best. This is enjoyable to use, but um, I've noticed in the last few weeks, I've put it on the camera, and um, tonight again we're going to go downtown, and uh, the typical thing might be that I'll put this lens on the camera, and then before we go, the 20 minutes before, I'll take it off, and instead I'll put on a pan color 50 f2 or or the Canon LTM 50. 1.4 1.4 some different lens and um and decided I really want to use that and I don't know why I'm doing it but but I'm doing it routinely I'm not I'm not going out with this lens and uh I, I don't know <laughs> I can't explain it
0: well I I, I, I still I, I actually I think I did actually use it the other day but just just for a gear shot um but it, it's it's this is like the big hope for me, and uh, with the with the with the Nikon, is will a lens of that nature work better on a Z6 or a Z7 than they do on the uh, on the Sony? Because as we've talked about it before, you know what goes on in the the out of focus areas, or even the focused areas of the edges, um, it's just all a little bit odd. It, it's almost like it's, it's 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 almost looking through fractured glass at at, at times. Um, yeah, but so I've had a couple of shots I, I took a few weeks ago, and one in particular I was so happy with that I got, and I I, t- I took great care on the focusing, and then when I actually saw the shot and you know, relatively closely, um, I think well it looked like I missed the focus, and then I hadn't I hadn't missed the focus at all. It was just that the the edges were just had just been it's not even smudged. It was just just really really odd what what had actually happened there, and I, I blame that completely um on on the sony sensor not on the lens um, sounds like
1: a really cool effect <laughs>
0: well it could be if you wanted it definitely yeah but yeah. um but no i mean i if i'd taken that with a with a, a like a film camera which is what it's designed for i'm pretty sure it would have actually i would have got the look that i was actually trying to get um but i it, it just wouldn't do it so if the if the nikon can pull that trick off then oh that's 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 quite exciting for me at least anyway <laughs>
2: If you put it on your X-Pro1, you'll you'll get really nice images. I mean, I have put it on my X-E2. It's a bit of a large lens for that small body. And um, after using the Sony all the time and then going to that camera, it honestly takes me a little while to get used to the, the viewfinder not being as good. And um, especially for evening shots of people and things like that, for landscapes and things where I'm shooting a f8 with my 15 millimeter it doesn't really matter I'm just shooting an infinity but um I had uh, and, and I had never noticed when I when I switched from one to the other that that more I was going back and forth but if I haven't used the Fuji for a while then I notice. oh this is like when I had the em1 and then I went back and used the em5 and um yeah yeah
0: well it's the the camera well the, the lens is actually sitting on my x pro one right now uh it's, yeah. it's in front of because so that's what i used to do the the a, a particular gear shot um yeah i think it's yeah. really it's really nice on that camera yeah you won't get any of
2: that edge strange stuff with no I it, it,
0: it, exactly um these this this is what we were talking about before with uh, uh, when Johnny was talking about the magic uh, properties of Fuji, because uh, <laughs> it just hasn't got sensors, <laughs> a sensor in the area when it goes wrong. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the the X Pro One, um, I think, it's a really really nice camera, and I've I've handled the X E three, and I I was going to get one of those until I used I, I used one, and I just it I just it just felt too small. And going back to Annal's point, you know, it was too small, too light. Um, whereas the the X Pro One just fitted my hand fall better and uh, you can put some weight on it and you, you just feel like you've got a, a camera with some kind of heft. And I, I just, I think that's
2: a great thing of the camera personally. Yeah. With think- the XE2 and 3, if, if you're shooting street photography and, and, and you're using LTM lenses, this is what I do. And so they're all small lenses. It's a perfect combination. And um, you won't believe this and, and, and you won't ever do it. But if you set the in-camera black and white JPEG, when they come out, you you won't want to do any editing on them. They're that they that good. Johnny can say whether he thinks that's correct or not. I know he, Simon doesn't believe that. <laughs> uh,
0: well, it's it's not about believing it or
2: not. It's I think that's
0: it's like it's it's, it's 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 more about it's about control at
2: the end of the day. You know, why, why, do, why? I don't we... want to have to do stuff though. When I come back, if the picture's really nice, yeah, that's it's that's, that's, that's warm, great. Delightful. But that's yeah. a that's
1: a good question actually. Do you guys when you go out and shoot, I mean I always generally shoot raw and then go into Lightroom and have a have, have fun playing with my shots. What do you guys just shoot JPEG or do, are you just happy with what's coming out of your cameras?
2: I shoot raw on the Sony.
1: Yeah, and then do you go into Lightroom or something else? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I c I can't I, I just cannot shoot JPEG. If I do shoot JPEG, I'll I'll curse myself for shooting JPEG. Yep. Yeah. Even if the, even if the shots just come out fantastically, I'll be there thinking, well, perhaps I could have done. Uh, yeah. There's always that temptation to go too far, um, and perhaps sometimes I might might do that. Sometimes when I look at how I used to process things, I think, oh, what what was I thinking? Um, but and then again, I've gone back into some old fetch and and. Process them harder than I did at the time, and I, and I, and I think they look better. So it's it does it does it look better? Is for, I mean, that's one of the things, actually, isn't it? When you go back and look at old photographs that you've taken, and you think and you think, wow, they were really poor. <laughs>
1: and, yeah. Uh, and,
0: but I
2: love it when a photo comes out, and I open it in Lightroom, and I look at it, and I think I don't want to do anything to it. And and we've talked about this before when we had um, EM ones, the the Jupiter Eleven. Is is one of the few lenses I have, where, if the light's right and I take the picture properly, it's perfect, and I don't want to do anything to it. And I think that's why I like that little Pen EES, because if you put the proper film in it, which I think is FP4, um, and you have a good developer, the images—I didn't do anything with the images. They just—that's—I just put them. I just posted them.
1: Yeah, for for me the Nikon fifty one point two, when I put my shots into Lightroom, they just generally need very, very little. They just look gorgeous straight out of camera, even in RAW.
2: When I look back, as as Simon just said, one of the things I notice is that over time, I've gone to less and less post-processing, where I just touch the shadow a little bit, and I never do anything with the, um, what is the control? It's contrast? or No, not contrast. It's the slider that sharpens up the image, pulls out... um, detail i don't i don't use that um you don't you don't seem to go into alien
0: skin wear as often as well (laughs) which is thank heavens for that i love no
2: i I don't but i did this week because remember i posted some nature photos and one of them was a a tree with kind of an amber colored film simulation and uh, so i did it for that one
1: i I love the whole post-production workflow coming from TV and I used to direct um, commercials on film and you know 35 mil and super 35 so cine film and the the whole piece of you know you've shot your film uh, flat and then you take it in and you sit behind this machine called a pogle which then you know lets you play with your shot for me that's the the really really exciting bit you know and that's what I love about actually about the the digital workflow and especially using analog lenses so you're shooting through an analog lens capturing it digitally, but then you can play with it digitally and the, the, the stuff you can do is just so so amazing nowadays because of the, the dynamic ranges of, ranges of these cameras and the amount of data and information they're storing. There's, it's so exciting and you know, I'm going to talk a bit about plugins here, but you know, there are some great plugins now and presets for uh, different film stocks that, as, uh, that are great start points for looks, for shots. And I know it's a bit of a, a weird thing and, you know, people get get funny about it. And, you know, you, the, the, especially the film photography purists go, well, what you, why don't you shoot film in the first place? Well, I don't want to because I want to shoot digital. I enjoy shooting digital because I can see my results. And then I enjoy that whole workflow because, you know, I'm an image maker, you know, and I think you, you can be a photographer and you can be an image maker. And I think that's a a, a different thing, you, you, you know you can play with what you've taken out and you can make it black and white you can make it color you can make it a million things and that's what's really really exciting for me about this combination of using analog stuff and digital stuff it's, it's just fantastic
0: that well that was something that uh cold did uh, was was doing for a time where he was they were shooting uh ektar and yeah. he was turning a load of them uh into black and white in in, in lightroom and I, I remember him doing it at the time and i'm thinking what? Yeah, why? You know, and, you know, He uh, you know, was hurting my head, um, and, <laughs> and, and then I, I took some took some shots with a Yoshika T three camera uh, using I don't know some kind of uh, it might have been Agfa Vista or something like that, and, it was, and uh, there were a few of the shots, uh, yeah, which is color film, and uh, and a few of the shots. I thought, I think that will make a nice black and white shot. So I converted them to black and white. I don't know if I use silver effects or not, but I looked at them and thought, that's really good. (laughs) So um, to the point now where I have no issue in the slightest uh, of turning the film shot black and white, Um, where I do draw the line is turning a digital shot or trying to make a digital shot look like film. That, that for me is, is is, is too far. That's
1: an interesting point for me because I've always questioned why I do that. And for me, it's, You know, it's not that I want the shot to look like film. It's that I like shots that have a sense of grain to them, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, film naturally has grain and digital doesn't. Um, So I like to add grain and I like to add sort of, you know, tonal profiles, if you like, that make things feel more the way I want them to feel. And it, it, it becomes a real it's It's a very, very interesting area, but because you know so many arguments come out of it where you know, people say, well, if you're gonna sh-, you know why don't you shoot film in the first place or you're sort of cheating or something? Well, no, it's your, you're making an image. That's what you're doing yeah. as a photographer. And especially nowadays, and the point is if you're shooting digital, why not use the digital software as part of your workflow? It's there. Uh, otherwise you're kind of missing a trick if you like, or missing an opportunity to to learn more as well. And that's the other point through playing with shots, you know, shooting raw and playing around with shots, seeing what's possible, you learn a lot more. And also that then helps me in my photography, in my actual shooting workflow and deciding how I want to shoot things in the first place.
3: Yeah, that it's interesting. When I, I haven't, it's been, I don't know, at least a, probably a year or two since I've shot the Fuji as anything but a film digitizer. But when I used to shoot the Fuji, um, I would I would usually shoot it, uh, in the black and white profile um yeah in jpeg because I like the way the JPEG uh noise looked like grain. So I'd usually shoot it at, you know, higher push the ISO, shoot JPEG, uh black and white and had the contrast pushed even further. There you go. In, in camera JPEGs. And I really like how the black and white I mean they they did have a filmic look to them and there were a few shots I got that I really, really liked with that setup. Yeah. So for that exact reason, you know. Yeah, yep. I mean those Fuji, the, the the Fuji film profiles are just fantastic. Yeah,
0: yeah, very nice. It's a shame they seem to be stopping making half of them as well, though, isn't it? But there you go. That's, <laughs> that's another story.
1: Well, I, I think they're actually. I think they're very, very clever. They seem to save certain ones for certain cameras. Yeah. Very, very clever um, strategy yeah. on their part because people love the looks that come out of camera with those Fuji. Yeah, yeah
3: like the Acros setting, you can you. St- they firmware upgrade. You know, Fuji's really good about firmware updates and rolling film profiles out to different cameras, but there are some that they hold back, and uh, Acros is one of them. So, like, I have a XE two, and they never firmwareed that. F- Profile back to the XE2. It's you know it's in the XE3. It might even be in the XE2S. I'm not sure. Yeah,
1: yeah um, but it, it also yeah it pushes yeah. you to buy the best camera. It
3: does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> I mean, I had a an X70 which I, I loved. I, I'm a bit gutted that I sold it, but it had the Fuji Chrome and it just looks super yeah. superb. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Johnny, you're right. I I hadn't really looked and played with that, but right, we have Provia standard. We have Velvia. Which I don't use. And then we have Astia, which I've never heard of before. Is there a film called Astia? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. There was, yeah. yeah there is. There, there
2: was, yeah. Okay. And then there's all just these monochrome things with filters and sepia. But yeah. right. That's and that.
3: they tweaked the they tweaked the monochrome setting on late later cameras and called it acros. And it has a it has a uh it has more I would say it has a little bit more range in the in the midtones. And probably on the brighter end, it has a little bit more, um, you know, range in the highlight to midtone. So it's it it does. I would say the 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 monochrome setting is a little bit more like a. It almost looks a little bit more tri-ex-y to me, but without as much grain, obviously. But the the acro setting is definitely a little bit brighter. So they're very yeah. they are different. Well, I'm I'm
0: just I'm I'm just seething here. Just you the, 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 the three <laughs> of you talking about these. Uh, these these simulations um, when there, there's film out there to, to do. Oh, the I don't thing. I don't shoot it anymore. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's I know. There. But it it just I, I just find the whole yeah. But
1: why? I, 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 this fascinates me because I, I love I love the old kit and I love the new kit and I've I've worked with both. And if yeah. you think of you know a workflow or yeah, okay, put it this way, I, I could probably post a, a photo on your uh, Facebook page saying this is shot with this camera this lens and this film stock and no one would argue whether that was the truth or not simply because they couldn't tell you know and it's not about cheating you know the the point for me about film photography is that the pleasure and the singular moment yeah and and you know there's the physical engagement with the camera and the lenses and and the tactile nature of the whole experience and i love that and i'll never want to lose that but don't get me wrong i love shooting with digital and i love shooting digital with new lenses and af lenses and old lenses but for me the ultimate aim is the image i get out of it beyond the process which i enjoy as well but i i've grown up well again you know i i worked in television for years and film and so post production and the joy of that is is a, a thing in itself and i think that's a workflow that i love and yeah. I, for me, I, I don't think that's cheating. There's no sort of sense of me not being a purist about it or, you know, it, it's I, it's just something that I, I get a lot out of in itself. I love coming home with, a you know, hundreds of raw shots, sitting on my Mac, pulling them out, pouring a glass of whiskey and just playing. You know that that is great fun. That's as much fun as going out and shooting as the first in the first place for me. See,
0: my 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 view on this, and it it, it could be something close to snobbery when when I, when I yeah I, I think about it. But I I admire people that have used film and got great images um, from them. Um, yeah, because ultimately it's 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 harder. To get a great image on film than it is to get a great image from digital because you've got so much more dynamic range to play with so you've got you got more you you need to get your exposure close i mean some plenty of film has got you know good latitude um, but you know it's 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 so much easier to get exactly the look that you're trying to do with digital than it is to do with film and and that for me when when somebody produces a great film shot um, I I will hold that in uh, high regard if you like to somebody who's oh, done a, a great uh, uh, digital shot.
1: Absolutely, no, I, to- I totally get that. But for me, it's um, photography full stop should just be a pleasure and a joy. Yeah, you know? and it's however you yeah. get there. It's a you're learning and b you know you're you're enjoying it. And I think. I, I think that the, the photography world and again going back to my earlier the comment the guy had on my one oh five two point five 2.5 photograph of my wife which apparently had a few wrinkles in it my god a woman in her 40s with a few what? wrinkles god help us all um what's the world coming to um it's photography it, sometimes we're too punitive you know uh, yeah. You know, I, I get the fact that we are there there's a process and there's a purity. I think that's a good word. There, there, there are many ways to get from A to B. You can have a really pure process. And that is to always to be applauded because there are people out there who, you know, using Sunny 16, shitty film, and a crappy camera can absolutely nail it every time. And I get that. And that that's fantastic. And you know, slowly over the years I'm starting to get that. Right. But also, um, I also enjoy that, that digital workflow and the, the fact that I can shoot stuff and, and make something interesting out of it. And also if you think about it from a commercial perspective, because slowly I'd like to monetize my photography, uh, I would like to know that I can shoot something and come out with a hundred different looks, which is, you know, what you can do. Have you ever seen the film um, Domino by Tony Scott? No. It's, it's an awful film, right? So it stars Keira Knightley, Mickey Rourke and um, all sorts of other actors. But it's a a true story about this girl, Domino Harvey, a sort of middle class American girl who gets involved in all sorts of criminality and all sorts of crap. But basically what's fascinating about this film was it was all shot by film. But the way basically every other shot in the film is using a different type of telecine grade so the film just goes from look to look to look within each scene (laughs) absolutely nuts and coming from a world of shooting on film for tv and commercials and grading stuff, it kind of made me sick, you know, watching it. It was like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> I but thought it was better
3: than Guy Madden film.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting in, in in itself because you sort of realize, okay, you shoot with film and then this this thing is actually it's a it's it's there as a negative, but there are a million things you can do with it and it's really exciting. So I think however whatever however you get your art should, you know, it should be celebrated and accepted. I think sometimes people in that yeah. in that film sense get too especially with guys. I mean, guys are so competitive and it gets ridiculous. You know, you see it all the time. Guys is, you know, getting their lenses out, like it's their dicks or something going, this is this lens and this film shot in this light. It's like, yeah, well, well done mate. But that's not the point, is it? The point well, is that you're taking part in photography. And if you've got a great image, it's a great image.
3: Yeah. And I, it's interesting what you said, Simon, about uh, it being easier to get to look in digital. That's actually why I don't really shoot digital anymore. Cause it, it's easier for me to get the look in film for in the first place. So I don't have to waste as much time getting there. (laughs) Well,
0: I think on, on that uh, philosophical note, <laughs> um, where I, th- the, I you know, there's, there's still a, there's a bit of disagreement in there as much as I agree with what what you said and I respect what you yeah. what, what you what you say there it it still doesn't quite uh, quite quite sit with me there but there you go that's that's a, we'll end this end this podcast with some tension
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> i haven't even talked about my favorite lenses yet <laughs>
3: It's it's sexual tension because I'm thinking oh, about Carl God. and his
1: mom
0: jeans.
3: Well, and,
0: and, and Carl's not here to defend himself now because <laughs> Carl sne- sne- sneaked out again. Thank you yeah. for that image. Yeah. Yeah. So um and I, and so I th- I think uh, we'll 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 bring things to an end. Um Anil, uh, thank you for being a great guest again. Um, oh, always a pleasure. Yeah. You you've given us plenty to 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 think about and uh, you know and uh, it's been quite provocative at their at, at times in a good way. Um, I am so so, uh, so. Thank you very much, uh, um Do you want to tell people how they can uh, keep up with you and things that you're doing, or uh, anything yeah, any shout out so- you might want to give? This this is the time.
1: Yeah, sure. Firstly, I'd just like to thank you guys for having me on again. It's just uh, so nice that people out there interested in what I have to say enough to uh, get me on their podcast um, loaded up with whiskey. Um, and then um, <laughs> in terms of finding me, I'm my website is uh, anilmysteryphoto.com. That's A-N-I-L-M-I-S-T-R-Y photo.com. I'm on Instagram at anilmysteryphoto and on Twitter at anilmystery. Uh, Johnny, do you want to let people know about, uh, yourself?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I, can I, can I do one shout out actually? Yeah. Um, I just want to mention someone who I've, uh, this is a second, second go shout out. Um, so I, uh, had the pleasure of again, speaking with Devlin cook this week, who is a photographer who is based in, I think Dubai. Um, and he's a, he's a pilot. So he's in Chicago every now and then, and talked to him a while back. He's really, really awesome guy. Um, he's not out there on the social stuff, so you can't really uh, see his stuff. But he is out there. Um, anyway, he he had with him, um, when I saw him this week, he had a Fujika 6x4.5, six, uh, six 6.45, um, which is a great, great folding uh, 6.45 actually made by um, Casina. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I think 99% sure it's actually a casino. Anyway, really beautiful camera, um, which I've always lusted over. So he had that. And we had a nice chat about that. And he had something he wanted me to mention, actually, on the podcast. And he is very much a regular podcast listener. Um, and he wanted to say that people should get over their fear of flying with film <laughs> because he's, he he said that he has taken loads and loads of film Bought bricks of film in Asia and then thrown it in, you know, his carry on in his luggage, et cetera, had it scanned to death in multiple airports, and he has never had a problem with fogging. Isn't the um- isn't the, the the thing that as long as it's under ISO 800 film, then you're... Yeah, okay, but, he, it, but he even kind of said, yeah, whatever. I've had all sorts of stuff like code throw through. I've never had a problem. And it, yes, I've heard the same thing. Yeah. And what, one of the tricks I've always used is I've saved my uh, Delta 3200 boxes and put film in the boxes that say 3200 because then they're like, oh, 3200. They see the number and they're like, sure, I'll hand check it. Um, but he's—he basically said he's thrown all sorts of film in his carry-on, in his check baggage, and just like never had a problem. And he thinks it's all kind of BS. So, the, so there you go. From an expert traveler, flyer, pilot, um, take the take that film with you. So, so,
1: if your film gets fogged, blame Johnny. Yeah,
3: no, blame Devlin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, on, on that subject, there was uh, a while back on, on the Sunny 16 podcast, uh, there was a, quite a lot of talk about, about, uh, about that, and then Aid uh, uh, went to Bhutan on holiday with lots of film. And uh, that went through loads and loads of scanners and uh, all sorts of things. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't get any problems either. So, uh, yeah, 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 it's it, it, it could be a case of just film is different now. I mean, certainly film is different. It is not, you know, you can buy uh, HP5 or something like that uh, today. And uh, actually there's HP5 Plus now, isn't it? But uh, I'm pretty sure that if you compare um, a film emulsion now to... N- nominally the same emulsion 20 years ago it's not the same stuff uh, because you no, know.
2: I don't
3: I don't know I you know what I, I here here's my theory is that when a lot more people were carrying a lot more film through a lot more airports um a lot more people were also screwing their own film up and saying well most of them the scanners you know so i i my my theory is that human error not scanner error <laughs> and that's probably what accounts for most of the problem because i mean that's you know that's pretty and i mean that and a lot of things that might have been blamed on scanners might have been shutterish who knows you know i think it's anyway i i kind of subscribe to his to devlin's theory that it's a lot of bunk yeah um so anyway all right so that was my shout out um and i should i say how uh, you can contact me i guess yeah Yeah. and perhaps you might might do your call impression as well
0: and uh, run straight into call as well perhaps
3: Oh, I could do that, okay. Um, so you can, you, can, uh, you can get me, you can find me at um, at Sisson Photography on Instagram, post there most days. Um, you can find me almost every day at Central Camera Company in Chicago. Um, and it's kind of amazing, I'm actually talking to people almost on a weekly basis now that uh, come in who are podcast listeners. So that's super amazing and please keep coming in and saying hello. Um, and you can send us an email uh, for the podcast at uh, classiclensespodcast at podcast Was that right? It was. It that was. Right? It was. Okay. Okay. All right. And, uh, and I and guess Tom? you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, so I'm going to be traveling, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to take I'm going to take this lens, and I'm going to take two cameras. And I know I'm going to have my Nikon with me, and um, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of over my. I'm kind of over my seven artisans right now. I just think about using it, and then, you know, I use something else instead. Uh, and I'm on eBay, and I just bought. And I'm on eBay, eBay and, and I just I just bought this Helios lens, and I'm very excited about it. And I, it, it's it's in perfect condition, and it's 100% mint plus plus plus, and it's gonna be just perfect.
1: So just on a note there, actually, just just over the past three or four years, I've I've realized that the best. If you want to invest, say a thousand dollars, the best way is to actually buy lenses, because I've realized these things are going up by a minimum of 20%, twenty percent, 25 percent a year. It's That's insane! A hell of a return. Yeah,
3: rangefinder lenses are going nuts. And <laughs> I'm desperately trying to save enough money to buy a couple of things still on my list. Um, oh, I wanted. To, speaking of eBay, I bu- I bought something while we were on the podcast. Ah. To- can I sneak it was, this was, one in here? It, it
0: was—it wasn't a 58 millimeter 2.4 uh, um,
3: Asahi. Uh, no, uh, amazingly, kind of amazingly, lens. amazingly, it was a camera, and actually, it was two cameras. A Nikon FM3A, I hope. No, but you're so close. Oh man, um, very close, very close. I—I I bought uh, a pair of still mint in the box wrapper, fresh conica uh, single-use panorama cameras with 12 exposures of color film <laughs> wow. so i have two of those on the way from cicero illinois they're here local wow. so i should have them very soon i'm very excited then i'm going to take the lenses and i'm going to pull them out because they're like 24 millimeter lenses so i'm going to yank them out of there and do stuff with them ah. so, yeah. Yeah. all right that was my yeah. shopping i'm, I'm, I'm cold as well uh. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, what, what do we know about carl um he's on instagram you look super he? hot in a pair of mom jeans yeah that's 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 true uh, he's on instagram and he's carl yeah, yeah. underscore havens um he's also got a Flickr account and i think he's on his carl havens there as well uh And he's uh, like all of us, he's in photography with classic lenses. Um, And then uh, finally uh, myself, um, actually I'll do this before um, because I'll forget if I don't, Um, thank you for Kevin McLeod for providing our music um, every week from uh, Incompetech, Uh, we use uh, Octo Blues as our uh, our music so thank you very much for that one Kevin. And um, for myself I'm in a few places, I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic, the same Name on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can search me on um, Flickr for uh, it. I'm, I'm down there as it's fuzzy. No, no, I might be on as it's fuzzy. I can't remember. But certainly, if you look at Simon Forcey, there's a reasonable chance of finding me there in a load of uh, Flickr albums with lots of different lenses. Um, I've got an eBay shop, if you do a search for It's Fozzy, that's I-T-S-F-O-Z-Z-Y, there are lots of K&F adapters on there and quite a few lenses, more, I'm trying to get more lenses on there at the moment, and then I have my website which is simonforsterphotographic.co.uk, uh, I'm trying to get a few more things on there and I keep on saying I'm going to put more lenses on there, and I, I never do, but I'm going to do my best and get, get more stuff on there, um, and that's just about it from us, so... Um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Um and it'd be great if you can join us again next week. So thank you and goodbye.
1: Ah, there we
2: go. Turned uh-huh. off my ugly feet. Right, right. And then right, and then the other one is to mute Please. if you want to mute what someone else is talking.
1: So if I'm talking and then I press this button.
2: I, I, you, you were muted, you were first, muted, I uh, couldn't hear you. Yeah. yeah. And the, the only thing though, we don't do it very often because um, it's easy to uh, forget. Uh, to, it's uh, easy to forget.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can everybody hear me clearly?
2: I can hear you very clearly. <laughs> I
0: thought you were going to be quiet then Carl, I, was, I wasn't going to answer him. Oh, never mind, never mind. <laughs>
3: But you,
2: you, Johnny, no, you you can put it in, in your pocket, and I and I, I say that, but I don't often because you put it in your pocket. <laughs> no that fits in my pockets, Carl. But getting, but getting I got a cock monster to contend <laughs> with in there. Well yeah. getting it getting it out is, is a little bit of a different story because the lens is protruding. Same us. for Johnny. Have to figure out how to do it. They have the right. <laughs>
3: diamonds
2: on it today i hope that andy's works this is still in a box as a uh, one of his birthday gifts because he wanted one too and uh, i haven't even opened the box yet but uh, i'm sure you've it'll
3: got grow. andy in a box
2: still, <laughs> yeah. still
3: at sorry i'm back in the room
1: <laughs> i had some background noise i was making yeah. sure it was not my we, wife and son we, arguing we were, not, we, <laughs> we,
0: we were talking about johnny's cock funnily enough
1: oh nice <laughs> well i'm glad i missed that Yeah.